Uh, welcome to the uh, Tell It Like It Is program, The Kingdom Way. I'm Apostle Baker J. Baker, who is a doctor in psychology. Uh, let me tell you what the waiting was. I was expecting the intro to happen, but the intro didn't happen. And so therefore, uh, I was stalted. So today, I still have Apostle Calvin Cook with me. And we're talking about the kingdom of God, the tabernacle, and the way that the kingdom works with us today. And so um, we want to provoke you to think about the way that you think about the word of God. We want to provoke you into realizing that there is things going on that you need to live by. And so uh, without any further ado, I want to bring on Apostle Cal. Come on, Apostle Cal. All right. Praise God forevermore. Hey, uh, Apostle Baker. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Oh, yeah. Amen. What a day to be alive. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's challenging, but we're here and we're excited about the day we're in. Praise God. Okay, so where are we going today? What are you going to talk about today? Uh, I don't think I finished uh, in the in the vein of duality. Still dealing with that, coming out of the tabernacle, coming out of the holy of holies, getting past the other uh, pieces of furniture, just only represents the characteristics of Christ, part of his nature characteristics. Mm -hmm. So it's not just pieces of furniture, just to say pieces of furniture. But it symbolically represents his character, uh, his uh, his makeup, his uh, as a son. Remember, he only came to represent sonship. Now, I want people to understand that because we got a lot of other people trying to represent di different forms of life other than sonship. Uh, and we need we have to be careful because the creation is not waiting on any other form of life other than sons. God's not bringing anybody else to glory except many sons to glory in Hebrews 10. And so the seed of the son, it, it prophesies about a body of Christ in um, uh, Romans chapter 8 is the predetermined to uh, pre uh, known, foreknown to be conformed into the image of the son. And so if we really want to be true to the pattern of teaching, it's going to end up in sonship. It's not going to end up in another uh, mega church. It's not going to end up. See, we've been we've been not true to the scripture. We've been true to your what we call everybody. Where I live, everybody has a vision that keeps us apart. I got a vision. And so everybody puts their time in on their vision, which causes division and the fulfillment of his vision and his vision. Uh, we're supposed to bring us into the unity, but unity is not our final thing. Uh, some of us, unity is not the final measure because when Jesus was praying, and I remember, he said, Father, I pray that they be one like, and they weren't in unity. They were in union. They reproduced purpose out of their being together. They weren't in no unity. They weren't. They were one. You can have unity by all of us gathering together and saying the same things, but we can never be in union with each other until we become one with him, one with Christ, one, and come on, one with him. And that's why I said, Father, I pray that they be one with, you ain't going to be one with me if you're not one with him. 
you're not going to be one with uh, Apostle Baker if you're not one with God. And we can't continue to deceive each other thinking that we're in some kind of unity and we're not in unity with God and we're still living in duality uh, and presenting duality to the rest of the world when Jesus said, no, the Father has one presentation of life, come on, and out of one nature, come on, out of one spirit, out of one purpose, come on. And I know uh, uh, that uh, we're not in the, on the same page. I was with some people yesterday, wonderful people, but when I listened to them tell me about the end times and everything, I listened to them and I didn't argue, but I'm not in agreement with how they end up. I'm not going to argue with you about anything because they believe very strongly about what they believe. And, and I noticed that if I disagree with anybody that has a strong opinion, their argument pursues. So I refuse to do that. Because that doesn't have truth doesn't get revealed by your anger. It, it gets revealed by Holy Spirit when he finds you at peace. Uh, your study is not going to reveal Christ. Your study is going to reveal what you studied and the Holy Spirit will come and reveal what's in that study and reveal the truth to you. And yeah, it does say study yourself to be approved, a workman rightly dividing, but you don't come up with the final conclusion of your study. Holy Spirit must reveal it to you. He was sent to the church to uncover and unfold. As you seek God, you begin to find uh more and more about him. I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold myself, but I went away this weekend to minister in Fresno. And I, and of course, I was, I, I wanted to go by myself. I didn't invite anybody to go with me. I needed some long time. And so that Friday night, uh, after I ministered, uh, the theme of the conference was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the Lord began to deal with me. And that night when I was in the bed, I tried to turn. And I don't watch TV at night. It's very interesting. Uh, when I'm in my bed, I don't watch any kind. Of, but this, for some reason, I turned the TV on. It, it didn't stay on very long. And he said, what do you, what do you turn the TV on? <laughs> so, so I don't know why I turned the TV on. I turned the TV on. And uh, I went to sleep. And Dr. Baker I heard groaning in the spirit and it woke me. And I said, Lord, what, what's what? He said, then I heard it again. Oh, oh, and I said, my God, what's going on? He said, oh, and it went on and on. And then he says, will you join me? And what he was sharing with me was the groanings of creation. And he wanted me to come in. He wanted me to get in with that. And so, but I didn't open up my mouth, but the sound of the groaning came up. I never heard my spirit man groan. I have made my physical man groan. I've groaned in the spirit for hours, for days. But never had I heard the syncopation of the groan of Holy Spirit and my human groan combined. And I and I and, and while I was laying in that bed all night long. Oh God, my day. Oh night long. Oh, oh, oh. God, what's wrong? He said, things are not the way. They seem to be. 
things are not. He says, and there'll be no revealing until you groan. Until you groan with my creation, till you groan with my Holy Spirit, and you yourselves within groan under the weight of corruption. You're too easy with things. You're not troubled enough about what's going on in America and around the world. And particularly, you don't seem to be troubled about what's going on with the leadership of the church. You don't seem concerned. You, you're so, uh, where is that sound of Zion? Oh, God. Then the Lord took me to a scene uh, when Jesus is at the tomb of Lazarus. He said, you could have come. What did, Let my brother die talking to resurrection like that. He says, your brother will live again. I know my brother going to live again. You could hear a little attitude that they had on me. He said, I am the day you're waiting on. I am the resurrection. And then he makes a statement. The Bible says that Jesus groaned. Oh. Then the Bible says Jesus wept. And then the Bible says he groaned again. And that last word, groaned, is the word sternly enjoined. In other words, he was given orders to another realm to release a captive that was held captive there. But then he made a statement that perplexed me. He said, well, thank you, Father, that you hear me when I pray. You ain't praying, Jesus. All you did was groan, and all you did was weep, and all you did was groan. When did you pray? He said, that's what I'm saying. You're missing it. I groaned, and Father interpreted, and the interpretation of the groan was the resurrection of Lazarus. And that's why I got you groaning in your bed. Leaders, listen to me. You've got to hear creations groan. You've got to hear the heart of the Father, which is the groan of the Spirit of God. And Paul tried to awaken us when he said, my little children again, uh, whom I travail again in Christ until there be a formation of Christ. And, uh, and so I've been weeping for two days since Friday night. <laughs> I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't, I can't get my composure. I can't get it since I heard that sound. I can't be comfortable anymore. I can't, I can't. Then the apostle said yesterday, yeah, the reason you're groaning is you're trying to pull your people out of where they are to where they need to be. And it's that spiritual climate that begins to pull people out of intellect and out of being at ease and out of uh, semantics and arguing over doctrine and arguing why people are burning in hell arguing over positioning and who's going to do what first and who's going to get the highlight and how come you said it that way? That's not the way I studied that. And people began to size each other up rather than groan so the Christ can appear and that we can be formed together 
and present the life of Christ in concert together, harmoniously together. So I got to keep talking about the duality. I'm going to bring a little bit more clarity uh, about it. And one of the things that David did as I was studying, uh, David did something that I thought that was very significant. Sometimes we overlook it, but David moved the Ark of the Covenant out of the tabernacle of Moses. David, do you know you could die for doing that, David? David, do you know that God told Moses to do that according to the pattern and not to change anything? Don't move nothing. Don't alter nothing. Make sure you do this thing the way heaven has instructed you to do it. Don't put no man concepts. Don't put none of that in there. Don't tweak it. Don't move it. Don't do shift it. Do it exactly the way heaven has demanded it be done. When I showed you when you climbed up into the mountain. Don't change it, Moses. Moses gets inspired. And he takes the Ark of the Covenant and, and, and pitches another tent, which is called the tent of Moses. What do you mean a tent of Moses? There's a tent already. We got a tent for the tabernacle. I can hear the high priest now. I can hear uh, the, the porters now. I can hear the Levites and the Maronites and the Korahites and all the What? Moses, you're going to cause God to bring fire down on us like he did the Korahites. Moses, you're going to cause God to split the earth up. Moses, are you? what are you doing? Moses moved the tabernacle because what Moses was doing, he was getting the church ready to come out of all these performing things we do, all these different things we do in the church, all these different things, and make it all about him and God. So now there's no prayer altar, there's no candlestick, there's no table of showbread. The only thing in that tabernacle is the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God in the King. We got the king and we got the king of kings communing together. That's what it says. And you see, in other words, that had to happen. That had to happen for we to get an understanding how important it is for us to disconnect from confusion, busyness, being important, and spend that quality time alone with God. David gives us that, even if you have to break the law. And David broke the law when he moved that ark. He broke that, he broke the law when he moved the tabernacle. But he was foreshadowing, he was giving us a picture of where we would come to in, in God, that there would be no ceremonial or uh, things that you had to do, but you could come boldly right to the throne. To see grace and mercy to help you in the time of the need. And the time of the need is not your need. See, we got that wrong. It's the need of the nations. It's the need of the people that you've been sent to help. It's, it's the need of the metron that you carry, like Thomas told me this morning when I talked to Thomas Brooks. He ministered to me on the phone, and we both wept like babies. He, he ministered me the truth about the anointing. You don't have to travel to, to, to operate your anointing. You just have to know that your, your anointing travels for you. And he showed me, he, he just ran it down to me. All we could do was weep. 
It's got to be. Let me move on because I'm, I'm getting. I want to get this thing out in my spirit. And so, uh, when I saw David make that move, and and all of a sudden uh, he's moving in this place, and his kingship is in danger, uh, his life is in danger because he's he had he had the he he sensed from God that if they keep doing church the way they're doing it, we're not going to get in. If we don't, if we don't stop doing the way we've been doing, it ain't working. Somebody said, if you keep doing the same thing, get the wrong results, then you on your way. You're, you're almost could be considered to be insane to keep doing stuff, to keep doing stuff, you know, don't work praying ways you prayed that have not reaped any fruit being presenting yourself in a way that has not, brought you to his image you still look like you after all these years we still what you got something you want to say because i'm trying to keep the thing yes 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 okay you see here is what i'm here is what i'm seeing and here's what i'm hearing there's a mixture there's uh there's a double tongue type thing a double vision and what it is is what man is calling success what we look at as success you see the prayers that are being answered are the prayers that that people are praying and they're seeing the they're seeing the results of the prayers of of of, of physical things of stuff rather than the prayers then they're agreeing with what heaven is saying in manifesting what it is in the in the realm of sonship and us looking like him so these are two different things so what it is is benightedness actually in the the fact that uh people are we're walking i mean they're, they're walking in in a benighted state in 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 a uh in, in a in a state of darkness because what it is that they're calling success that people are calling success isn't what god is looking at as success so their prayers according to what it is that they want are being answered and this is the reason that things have not changed this is one of the reasons that things have not changed because the picture is wrong well the picture is very wrong uh, because our purpose for prayer is wrong the, the whole reason that we have a prayer life is to bring us into union with him. And out of that union, it produces the products or the ministry things that we need. And we never had to pray for any things. And those of us who graduated into the kingdom of God have been taught that if you seek the kingdom first and it's righteousness, then God would add. And we didn't, we don't believe that because that's why we have all these prayer doctrines out. And a lot of these prayer doctrines are true in terms of what they lead you to, but they're not true in terms of how you use them. I didn't hear what you said, because these, these things we do, I'm going to say this, I know it's hard for people, are not for you at all. He didn't die for you to have everything in the world. He died for you to have all of him. And when you have all of him, you have dominion over everything. Is a, it, the more you lack him and the more you're split and dual in your understanding, the less God will give you to operate in dominion with. So it's not about, oh, Father God, I agree, I touch. That doesn't mean 
that you got any further with God. No, you got some stuff. I got some stuff. You got stuff. All God's children got some stuff. But do you have the God in the right relationship to, to take over and have dominion over the works of his hands? See, and the enemy has got a sidetrack on developing prayer manuals to help God's people get more stuff, and they are not even in full management of their own vessels. So let me help you here. This is what it says. Christ was obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross. So how did how are we going to vanquish this duality? I want you to listen. Uh, because the death of sin in Philippians 2.8, here, I'm going to read it to you. It says this, it says, and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross. He humbled himself and became obedient uh, uh, even to the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him. Watch this. When did God highly exalt him? When he came to the end of the life that he could have lived, but he gave that life up. What God is suggesting to us Give your life up so you can live the life that's above every other name. You got to follow the suit of the master. Let me let me prove it to you. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him an onomo. That word onomo means he's given him authority because there were three other men named Jesus at that time. And their name could not bring about what this man's name was. When he was called Jesus, because Jesus humbled himself, come on somebody, took on the form of a servant and was obedient unto death. And because of that obedience unto death, he was given authority. He was given authority in the realm, not, not just in the earth realm, but for the first time, he since Adam fell, authority was given, the same authority that was in heaven now had a right to work in the earth realm. Because somebody died, come on, so that so that God could find a vessel in the earth realm that he could give authority to their name. And he found the one Jesus that was he gave him that name. Uh now watch I, I, and, and go and watch this. And so he took Adam, watch this, the embodiment of sin and death upon himself in his own body. Come on, now watch, now watch. I want you to get this. He put Adam to rest forever. So when we talk about duality, that means we've awakened Adam. Because Adam was the one that did those old works. I'm going to help you. Listen to me. That's why I get so afraid when I hear people talking about we have a dual nature. It's impossible. Listen carefully. You have to wake up the dead to live in the old man. Because you put off the deeds of the former man. You put away the hidden works of darkness. You can't be in the kingdom of light and still manufacture darkness out of your being. If your eye be dark, then your whole body's dark. But if your eye be light, then your whole body is light. You understand what I'm saying? There, there cannot be a, one apartment in your apartment that's dark and one apartment in your house got the light on. Your whole house must be lit to the purposes of God. Otherwise, you're a double-minded man, and you're living in a place of instability. Now, I got to show you this here. I mean, I, I want to be able to do this. So he put Adam to rest uh, 
in this death into which you also were baptized in Romans 16. You were baptized into his death so that you could rise in the newness of his life. I'm going to say it one more time. Once you've been put to death, why, why do you think you can live again in Christ in your old man? This is that duality teaching. You can't be. I, I, I want to just, I want to let, and, and, and many of us are living dual. We make provision for our flesh. We make provision to fall. We are righteous man fall. We, we practice falling rather than learn how to be risen with him. And understand what the risen life doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean you can't fall. It means you won't habitually or practice falling. You won't teach falling, but you'll continue how to get up and teach people how to live in that risen place and that ascended place in Christ. I, I, I don't know. If it. How total and complete is this death in your life? It says sin no longer has legal right to reign in our bodies. Come on, in our lives. In Christ, the unbiblical court, watch this, that sin was attached to us in Adam has been severed. I want you to see that. See, one of the things when you're a pastor, when the people come in, there's a spiritual and biblical court that connects to them because you're feeding them. And this is why you get hurt, pastors. Somebody said, well, I don't like that teaching. I'm going to go over here. Well, those people are not the ones that are supposed to be feeding you. You're attracted to their persona. You're attracted to their smoke machines and their laser lights. But you, that's not your assignment. Now, listen carefully. And so what happens when you cut the umbilical cord, you wound the parent because it was an unnatural cut. In the spirit realm or in the natural realm, the, the umbilical cord is cut by a professional. So there's no damage done to that which is connected to the cord or what the cord was connected to. But when you just get up and leave and rip the cord, you injure the man and woman of God. And what happens is now the other people that are left behind, they have to wait for the healing of the ones who got wounded by the ones that left them. You don't understand the humanism sometimes that we live within. If you hurt the man or woman of God, they need seasons of healing. And the unfortunate thing about it, nobody praying for you. Nobody praying for the leaders. They want the, their consumers. This is what happens when you don't get into that place with God and you don't allow yourself to grow in the spirit of God until we grow up to the full measure, till we come to the stature that we stop demanding you to look like somebody you don't look like, that you're not even attempting to look like. You want something from somebody you're not willing to give. And you hurt the man and woman of God. Then you won't give them a season of healing and restoration. Remember, when you got hurt, but hurt, remember when you got but hurt and you didn't want to come back to church and you didn't want to, how long did it take you to heal? Well, how long do you think it's going to take the man and woman of God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I nothing here, see. It can't be a one-sided show. It can't just be a one-sided thing. Don't tell me. It. No, don't tell me. <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh you know what we ran out of time well time we didn't run out of time but we ran out of our our, our tv time but here's the great news we're gonna be back next week when we're here telling it like it is the kingdom way with apostle calvin cook i know it seems short at any rate it is short <laughs>
<laughs> but he will work on this next week. Now, I'm not going to tell you he's going to finish it. He will be with us as long. Oh, yeah. I don't there. know. At any rate, this is a this is Apostle Baker J. Baker, who is a doctor in psychology. If this has been any help to you and you desire to give into it, you see the information there. Bye-bye. We'll see you next week.